to see everyone here today, and I'm glad that you've interrupted your day, uh, that we might reflect upon not only our God, but also our lives and ourselves. The passage that I want us to reflect on in that reflection is from Paul's letter to the churches of Galatia, chapter 5, verse 13. One verse, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we do pray now specifically for Your Spirit uh, to guide my words, to direct our thoughts and reflections, that they would, oh Lord, be impactful, uh, messengers of Your grace, carving up our hearts that our lives might be turned to You in faith and repentance and obedience, that we might, as You have called us, walk in those footsteps of our Savior. In His name that we pray. Amen. Um, Every Ash Wednesday, I, I like to take an opportunity just to remind us, most of us perhaps are coming from a broadly evangelical background, and so the Lenten season, especially Ash Wednesday, um, seem strange to us even more than uh, the season of Advent, Holy Week services, uh, Good Friday, Monday, Thursday. Um, the, the season of Lent just seems strange, and so it's important for us to review. Uh, you, you've probably already read a few comments in the bulletin, but Lent is an ancient um, celebration. It's an ancient season in the life of the church. It was originally associated with the lengthening of days um, in the springtime, and it was used by Christian converts to prepare for their first baptism. Um, In the early church, new, new converts were baptized on Easter Sunday, and they would spend this season in preparation for that baptism. By the time we get to the fourth century, under the influence of church fathers like Athanasius, Um, the one who is largely responsible for the Nicene Creed. We we have this further widening of this celebration to include all believers um, to orient us in preparation for the celebration of the crucifixion and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, what we know as Easter. Um, What's also interesting is that the 40 days of Lent are associated with the 40 days of fasting that Jesus entered into in the wilderness prior to His earthly ministry. And I know some of you are already doing the math. You you recognize that there's not just 40 days in Lent, but 46 days. That's because there are six Sundays that are surrounded and enveloped in the season of Lent. And yet, because those are resurrection days, celebration days, they're not technically part of Lent. But Jesus' um, entry into the wilderness and the The service and the sacrifice and the orientation of that season also orient us as His disciples in this season of Lent, calling us to sacrifice, calling us to reflection upon our mortality, calling us to a season of trial and even bearing up under temptation. Um, And for this reason, we give ourselves to various practices like fasting and extended prayer and, and other such observances And it's also for those reasons that many that find this season of Lent, um, well, not just frustrating, but 
but unhelpful. And before we start talking about why this is a helpful season and why we should even observe Ash Wednesday, I just want us to think about those who have problems with this practice because I think their concerns um, have some validity because Lent can be conceived legalistically. Lent can be conceived in such a way that it's nothing more than a show and then lend itself to our hypocrisy. And that's the truth of any spiritual practice. Any observance by God's people can lend itself to a legalistic orientation. You know what I'm talking about. That's the idea that if we do certain things, if we practice certain things in certain ways, it will incline God's favor. It will purify our consciences from our sin, from, from those things that, that distract us. And I think that we would all love to think that sanctification works that way. right? If we can just find the formula. We're all looking for the formula. right? right? That's the bent of our heart. We're all born that way. We have this idea that if we can just figure it out, then we can turn God's heart our way, that we can address the brokenness of our sin. If we can just do the work, we can get the grace. But of course, grace doesn't work that way. We know what our Bibles teach us, that God's grace comes not to those who work, but to those who believe, to those who trust and depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It's by grace that we're saved, and it's that grace that undergirds the forgiveness that we cling to. It's that same grace that undergirds our sanctification in the Christian life, our journey forward in Christ as we press on towards our obedience. And it's for that reason, this reason, that Martin Luther was especially frustrated with this season. Um, in one of his sermons, he famously described this season as becoming a mockery. He denounced the 40-day fast by simply saying that no one can do that. No one can keep that kind of fast. And in fact, if you do attempt to, then you're likely to turn it into a good work that cannot save you. And so he said, you know, it would be better if you just spent these 40 days entirely drunk, right? In true Luther fashion, that's how he spoke. You know, it would be better if you were just drunk day and night rather than think that you could do a good work. Because he was pushing back against that legalistic conception of, of, of this season. Now, other Christians reject the notion of marking our foreheads, specifically what we do on Ash Wednesday. The reason why is because it's conceived as a public display of our piety, maybe even a disfiguring of our face. And those of you who know your Bibles know that Jesus said something like... Um, that we should avoid doing that in Matthew chapter 6. Um, that we should avoid public displays of piety, that we should avoid um, 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 disfiguring our faces because of our, uh, of our faithfulness uh, unto Him, because that would draw attention to ourselves. And before I even go into the discussion about whether that's actually happening, um, in marking our foreheads with, with the sign of the cross, let, let's just... Be reminded that's true, right? Jesus is calling us to avoid any kind of duplicity in the presentation of our life. 
which is to say that we're one kind of person when actually we're not that kind of person. And, and that's at the core of hypocrisy. The, the word itself refers to putting on a face or a two-facedness. And being two-faced is something that everybody dislikes, right? As Christians, we should especially work hard against hypocrisy or having a two-sidedness to the practice of our faith. We should never think that because we've well gone to church or marked our face or put on certain clothes or participate in a particular group that somehow we've got it together. We've got this thing down. Hypocrisy is always a concern for the Christian, as is legalism. At the same time, I don't think those concerns close the door to the observance of this practice of Lent and Ash Wednesday. And I'll tell you, because this practice is less about an achievement or celebrating something that we're doing, and more the acknowledgement of our condition. It's more about the acknowledgement of what we're not rather than what we are. So, so think about it. This service, Ash Wednesday, specifically highlights our condition as those broken in sin, bound up with the mortality of Adam. Remember, in Adam's transgression, God sentenced Adam and all of humanity unto death. Right? And that was physical death, but also, as Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, you are dead in your trespasses and in your sins. The refrain that we're going to share with one another, you are dust. Remember that you are dust. Remember, you are dust. And to dust you shall return. This observance, it merely acknowledges our condition that we bear a common participation in God's curse and judgment upon this world because of its sin, because of our sin. And secondly, the ashes indict our quest, don't they? Because it's not just our condition. The nature of the human heart is on a quest to find life apart from God. We do it a thousand different ways. right? We're constantly trying to figure our lives out so that we can be the masters of our realm. Technology, achievement, sexual fulfillment, money, whatever else it is. And yet if we refuse to acknowledge that God is the source of all good things, if we try to become a God to ourselves, what do we discover? That we are all the more ensnared in our brokenness. The ashes remind us that at the end of every quest is a dustbin. At the end of all of our quests is an ash heap. Because we cannot be our saviors. We cannot find life in ourselves. And so rather than saying to the world, hey, hey, look at me, I'm a walking religious success story. That's not what the ashes say. The ashes say, I'm a walking rebel. <laughs> I'm among the walking wounded of this world. I've tried to find life apart from God, and it was a massive failure. 
That, that's what the ashes are reminding us. Life apart from God is a massive failure. And, and we all know that story to one degree or another. And so there's nothing showy about this. It's simply a humble declaration to the world of, of our condition and, and indicts our quest. But of course, we're marked not just with ash, but with the cross. Right? Isn't it amazing how God can take the implements of tragedy, the, the messengers of, of our guilt, and turn them into the agents of His mercy, signs of hope. Right? Because it's the cross that has achieved our victory over the curse of our sin, the failure of that quest. It's the cross that has brought us our freedom, right? At Redeemer, we, we say that we want to grow in gospel freedom. That, that means that we've come to learn that we are free in Christ. No longer are we struggling but by our own achievements, our strivings, our, our um, sacrifices, our efforts to gain God's pardon, right? That comes to us from Christ. No longer are we striving through our devotion to earn His love. But in Jesus Christ, we are freely and fully and completely loved. If you're a Christian, you cannot be more loved than you are right now. God cannot add more love to you than He has already given. And you cannot be more forgiven than you already are right now. We are freely and fully pardoned. We are freely and completely loved due to His free and unmerited grace. That's the source of our salvation. That's beautiful. right? This season is beautiful because of our freedom in Jesus Christ. The only question for us that I want to think about this today is, what are we going to do with that freedom? What are we going to do with the freedom that we've been given in and through the Lord Jesus Christ? Because that's what Paul's warning the Galatians about, that they ought to do something with their freedom. He says specifically, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but rather use it in the service of love for one another. In other words, freedom in Christ is not a carte blanche, um, pass to do whatever you want. Sometimes, tragically, Christians have misinterpreted the nature of grace and said, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm saved by grace, so I can live however I want to live. I can do whatever I want. I'm good. I've got grace. But that's not the gospel. Grace was never to be conceived as a pass from obedience and devotion to the Lord our God. It's not about a life unhinged from responsibility to God or others. This is what theologian and Nazi Germany resistor Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who lost his life during the Second World War, he said that's cheap grace. And in fact, that kind of absolute liberty, that, that kind of autonomous nature of freedom, he said that that brings us to the depths of slavery. No, freedom is not about a life unhinged from responsibility or obedience to God or neighbor, but rather it's about a life set free unto God 
and unto neighbor. It's about our willing and joyful celebration of His mercy, the orienting of our lives to God, and sacrificing and serving our our neighbor. And so to, to live in the freedom of the gospel is to live in such a way that that we're using that freedom in service to God and in service to our neighbor. And and for that reason, Lent is in the service of that task. Lent is like a season that, that gathers us up so that we might be reminded unto those purposes. It channels our freedom reminding us of the gospel, but also of where that gospel has directed us, unto God and under the service of, of one another. And that's why I kind of love what we're doing here, because throughout the history of the church, the church historic has done this, which is just a beautiful reminder. Christians throughout the centuries have said, okay, this is, this is reminding me of what I'm supposed to be about my need, my hope, and my responsibility. How God is calling me to use my freedom unto obedience and unto repentance. And so it's in that context, only that context, in fact, that we ought to observe this, um, this ancient practice. And I, I also want to remind you that there's no requirement You don't have to observe this practice. It's an opportunity. But it's not a requirement. You you are free in Christ. But this is an opportunity to use that freedom. That God might direct you unto repentance and unto obedience. I want to conclude with a prayer by Martin Luther. Um, Because he, he was pushing back upon the calcification of this practice. How it had been used in empty hypocrisy. But, but with the gospel, we can affirm this practice using our freedom in Christ. This is what he said, Lord Jesus, you are my righteousness. I am your sin. You took on you what was mine. You set on me what was yours. You became what you were not. That I might become what I was not. You see, that's it, what we say. Every time you're marked with the cross, that Jesus took on Himself what He was not, and He placed upon us what we were not, because He has become our righteousness. Grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of our God abides forever. In a moment, we're going to come forward that we might receive the imposition of the ashes. I want to remind you that There is no requirement. This is an opportunity that you might use your freedom in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we prepare, let us pray together responsively. Almighty God, You have created us out of the dust of the earth. May these ashes be a sign of our mortality and penitence and a reminder that only by Your gracious gift we are given everlasting life Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.